0: All right, I'm back. It's good stuff. Everybody happy? Yeah? All right, good. I heard about the elevator incident. I was back there laughing at the footage I saw. It was kind of backwards from where I was watching. But uh looked like fun. Uh, how many of y'all and who were you that were on the elevator? <laughs> my basketball partner, all right, good, all right, so uh all, it's all good, man, you better bring your A-game today, I need some help, all right, so a uh, little sore today, took some Advil, kind of working it out, so we're in good shape, all right, so uh grab your Bibles and open it up to the Book of Romans, all right, go to the Book of Romans, and this morning uh, we're going to uh, talk about um, our minds. Oh yes, I know y'all are super excited about that, and uh, we're going to do that, but uh, when I was uh, living in Memphis, uh, I was coaching at a school named Briarcrest while I was a youth pastor at Germantown Baptist, and one night I had come in, and, and this parent was on the phone with me, wearing me out about his kid not getting enough playing time, it's a pretty normal thing for a coach, I mean it's just... It goes with the territory. I'll talk to more guys about why their kid didn't play more than anything else. And half the time, I just want to tell them your kid's no good. But I can't do that because I have to be nice. But that's what I'm thinking the entire conversation. All right. So anyway, so I have this conversation with this dad. And it's about 1030 at night. I'm ready for bed. Um. And I'm in the kitchen talking to this guy, just kind of pacing back and forth. My wife is getting ready for bed. She's back in the bedroom. And uh, sure enough, she comes out in the midst of my conversation. And she says, hey, Chris, do you hear that noise? And, I, and I'm like, no. I mean, I've got this dad wearing me out on the phone. I can't hear anything. I'm so mad at him. And so I'm like, no, I don't hear anything. So she goes back in the bedroom. No big deal. She comes back out about 30 minutes later. She's like, hey, uh. Do you really not hear that? No, I'm still on the phone. You know, and I'm just holding the guy out here at this point, the phone, just let him talk. And I'm like, No, I don't hear it. Go back to bed. It's okay. You know, she goes back. Then she finally comes back out and she goes, Um, hey Chris, uh, you may want to look out in the backyard. And I said, Okay, so this guy's still wearing me out on the phone. I've got him over here, I'm not even listening to him at this point. And I go to the back window and I open my blinds uh, from my kitchen and uh in the back of my uh, yard, my backyard, um, I have a tree that is on fire, okay? And uh, this doesn't happen all the time. I mean, so this is new. And I go, oh, that tree's on fire. And this guy's still yelling at me, so I just kind of threw him on the counter. And uh, and I looked and I thought to myself, I said, oh, my gosh. Well, the worst thing about this tree being on fire is that it was right next to my fence, Uh, line my wooden fence line and it had caught my wooden fence on fire and this fire was starting to spread along my fence line along with this gigantic tree being on fire now this is in January so this is strange I know see that's the same reaction I had all right and I'm ready for bed so I'm like in my boxers and my t-shirt you know and it's January it's freezing cold in Memphis so I did what any protector of his family would do right I mean I looked at my wife and I said Call 911, because obviously we had an emergency. And then I took, you know, I put my cape on, and I went running into the backyard with my boxers and my T-shirt to put out the fire, okay? And so this was uh, not a good choice by me. And so I'll go running outside, and the only thing I can think of is i got to get some water. You, you know, that's what your fire water okay y'all with me fire water and i run over and i grab the uh, water hose right it makes perfect sense and i begin to run toward the fire this gigantic tree that's on fire that's now caught my fence on fire and i begin to run and i yell at my wife turn the water hose on and i'm running and as soon as i get about 10 feet from this tree we had a giant backyard I run out of slack in the hose, and it jerks me back into a mud puddle, all right? Now, it's freezing cold, and I'm muddy, and then I get up, and I'm like, turn on the water. And she starts turning on. We realize that the hose is frozen, because it's January, and I'm brilliant, all right? So, no water's coming out of the hose, and then at this moment, I hear this sound, and I look up and the tree begins to fall in my direction. Now, there have been a couple of times in my life where I thought I was going to die. This was one of them, okay? The tree begins to fall and, and I start to run back toward the house. The tree falls, knocks down the side of my fence and lands a foot from my neighbor's back door. They come running out of their house in their bathrobes, you know, I'm like, Ooh. All right, so they come running outside, and they look at me, and I'm like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And then the fireman shows up, and they come, all the sirens come in our little cove, and the fireman comes running in the backyard, and he looks at me, and I'm muddy, and my boxer sent t t-shirt, I got the neighbors in their bathrobes hanging out with me, and he runs into the backyard, and they're supposed to help me, and they look at me, and they go, what did you do? Oh, I was just back here smoking a fatty and threw it on a tree, and it set the whole thing on fire. That's not what I said. Um, oh, man. And I said, I didn't do anything. And so they come back there, and they put this fire out. It took like hours. And here's the thing. I asked the fireman. Don't, don't miss this. I asked the fireman. I said, what do you think started this fire? We had some new construction going on behind us. And he goes, you know what? He said, I don't know what started this fire. He said, but I can tell you what. This tree has been burning on the inside for weeks. And he said, whatever started the tree burning on the inside, check this I've never heard of this. He said, it internally combusted. Okay, big word for me. I'm like, dictionary. All right, so he said, Whatever was on fire on the inside eventually burst out onto the outside. And they had to cut this tree up in one foot sections to put the fire out in the middle of the tree. Once they got the fire out on the outside. Here's the point. What is on the inside of our lives always eventually comes out of our lives. And I need you to understand that this morning. When it comes to talking about your thought life in your mind. Whatever you put in here eventually comes out of you. It may not happen at first. You may be able to hide it for a while. Some of y'all a long time if you're really good. But eventually it catches up with you and it comes out of you. Let am give you some thoughts on the mind. Write these things down. Your mind has been called the control tower. Write that down. Your mind has been called the control tower of your character, of who you really are, of your conduct, what you do, and your conversation, what you say. Let me say that again, just so we're clear. Your, your mind is called the control tower. Of your character, of who you really are, of your conduct, what you do, and your conversation, what you say. In fact, it's been said that our thinking will always affect our behavior. And it's impossible for us, listen to me, to think on evil things and live righteously. It's impossible. In other words, godly living is the result of godly thinking. And and something that was brought to my attention um, not too long ago is that um, no one's forcing you or me. Check this out. No one's forcing you or me to look at bad things. No one's forcing us to partake in actions that will stay in our memories for a lifetime. Nobody's forcing us to listen to stuff that's unbecoming. But Satan is delighted. To bring those things that are damaging to our attention. And then we make the choice. Whether to engage in it. To look at it. To partake of it. And in the end. We pay the price. In our thought life. We pay the price. And this applies to the strongest believer in here. To the person who does not know God. Our minds are an incredibly powerful thing. And in fact, someone once said, the battle is always won or lost in the mind. How many of you guys um, have a uh, universal... remote control at your house that controls like several things in the house okay yeah me too all right and i brought mine from my room i know y'all don't have one of these because you all don't have tvs but uh um i brought uh i brought this one it's just a little joke um i brought this one from my room just to brag but also to show you what one looks like and uh since you hadn't seen one in two days um and uh i have one of these at my house that controls my surround sound that controls my direct TV. I'm a direct TV guy. However, I think I'm fixing a switch because every time a storm comes, I lose a satellite and it makes me mad. Uh, anyway, so I think I'm going to just, I, y'all can tell me who I should go with later. All right, but uh, it controls my direct TV, my TV, my uh, Blu ray player. It, it just controls a lot of stuff. And these things are awesome when they work, right? Because you can sit down and you can go boop, 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 and everything just comes on. It's awesome. How many of y'all have ever walked in and you grabbed your universal remote and you're like, and nothing happened? It's happened to me before. And it is a pain in the rear end to reprogram a universal remote. Codes and, and trying to figure out, you know, what brand and what number and all this stuff. And you have to type it all in or search on the thing to figure out what's compatible with the remote to where you can get it to where the remote operates properly, right? Well, here's the thing. When it comes to reprogramming our minds, it's hard. It's not convenient. But if we can reprogram our minds to think in a right way, let me tell you something. It's the greatest thing in the world. Look at Romans chapter 12. You've read this passage before. But Romans chapter 12, starting in verse, uh, we'll just start in verse uh, 1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your spiritual act of worship. Now, look at verse 2. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't act like the world anymore. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed. Be made different. Be transformed. How do you do that? By the renewing of your what? Mind. It says that we can't look like the world anymore. We've got to be different. And how do we become different once the Holy Spirit enters our beings and we become believers in Jesus Christ? It's by renewing our minds. It's by reprogramming Our minds. And look at what it says. When you're able to do this, when you're able to reprogram your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life. His perfect and pleasing will. God, I pray this morning um, that you would just speak to us about what it is that we need to navigate when it comes to our thought life. And dear God, I pray that you would help all of us, every adult, every student, me, that you would help all of us every day to take on the renewing of our minds so that we may know your will for our lives, so that we may not look like the world. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to give you four things on what it's going to take to reprogram your mind. It's not going to be easy. Remember what I said? It's like taking time. It's going to take time, but I'm going to give you four things on what it's going to take to reprogram your mind. The first thing, write this down. Recognize you have the mind of Christ. Recognize that you have the mind of Christ. If you look at this passage that's on the screen for you, um, it just says, it says, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Look at me, students. You've got to recognize. recognition is the first step to really seeing things happen. You have to recognize that you have the ability now, with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you have the ability to take on the mind of Christ, to be able to choose to think on the things of God over the things of the world. And there is power in that. Do you know how much power's in your brain? Hey, Madison, how are you today? Do you know how much power's in your brain, Madison? There's enough power in your brain, Madison, to light up a 25 watt light bulb. What if I just brought a light bulb in, and stuck it on your head, and it went boop. All right. What if I did that to all y'all? We light up this room without any lights in here. That's how powerful your brain. Do you know, Madison, that in your brain today you're going to have between seventy thousand and a hundred thousand thoughts. That's a lot of thoughts. Some of y'all. Some of y'all think that some of your friends can't think at all, and they don't think. Guess what? They're really thinking. They're just not letting it out, all right? They're just keeping it a secret. 70,000, every single one of you are going to have 70,000 to 100,000 thoughts run through your mind, just like the thought you're having right now. Hold on to that one. It's probably about me. All right, so 70,000 to 100,000 thoughts are going to run through your mind today. And there is power, listen, and understanding through the Holy Spirit that we can recognize that we have the mind of Christ. We don't have to be held captive to thinking like the world anymore. He gives us the ability to take on his mind to know right and wrong and how to act Accordingly. We've got to recognize we have the mind of Christ. Second thing, write it down. We've got to start choosing to think rightly. We've got to start choosing to think rightly. The word righteousness just means right living. We've got to choose to think rightly. Look at this passage on the screen. It says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above, the eternal things, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. It says, set your minds on things above. Don't set your minds on the things of this earth, but set your minds on the eternal things. To me, that passage gives us such power. We've well, we got to choose to think on eternal things, things that are lasting, not things that are temporary so if you choose to start thinking on eternal things it means you're going to start choosing to think like god thinks he's thinking eternally so when we start thinking about what's going on in our lives we've got to start thinking eternally about all of those things does that benefit me as a believer in christ does it not we've got to make choices to think eternally listen to this A fleeting wrong thought may hit your mind, but you always make the choice whether or not to consider it. We've got to choose to think on the right things. And guys, let me tell you something. If you're wondering, and we're going to talk about this next. If you're wondering what you should choose to think on, or if you're unsure what you should think on, always go to the Bible. Always lift it up in prayer in your communication to God. Because if there's communication, there's a relationship. Am I right? It's when we try to do it on our own where we get messed up. Uh, I go to Romania um, about three times a year. Several years ago, probably about eight years ago, um, I felt God tell me to go to Romania. I didn't even know where Romania was on the map. I mean, if you had put a globe in front of me and said, where's Romania? I'd be like, oh, I don't know. I, I just didn't know. I didn't know it was halfway around the world. I didn't know anybody there. I just knew God told me in my heart to go to Romania. That's weird. Okay? So I started praying about it, and I decided to go to Romania. And so I've been a gazillion times, and I do sports camps over there, and we've seen hundreds of people come to faith in Christ. I'm going to talk to you more about that tonight. But um, one of my trips, uh, probably about, I don't know, six trips ago, I led a tennis camp all week. I'm a tennis player and a basketball player. Is my background, and so I was. Tennis is big in Romania, and basketball is kind of an up-and-coming sport. They don't know a whole lot about it, so we kind of do both when I'm there. And all week, I meet these young Romanians that are your age uh, that that love sport. That's what they call it, just sport. And uh, and so all week, um, I go out and, and I'll play tennis and basketball and instruct and, and do this at a uh, at a sports park in in Brela, Romania. And uh, the guy that uh, leads, that owns the sports facility, wasn't a believer, and I had the privilege to see him come to faith in Christ. It's a crazy story, but he allows me to present the gospel there every time I'm there, and we've seen hundreds of kids um, come to faith in Jesus in Romania. Well, this one night we were doing this service. There's a church up the road, and we did a service in this church and invited all the kids and their parents to come, and so they came. And we were hanging out after the service was over, and this one kid I had gotten to know. His name was Gabby. It's a dude. They just got weird names. His name is Gabby, okay? And uh, he comes up to me afterwards, and he's like, Hey, uh, Coach Chris, can you uh, talk to me about this God thing? I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. So we sat down on the front pew of this church, and everybody else is outside eating hot dogs and you know running around on the playground or whatever. And we're sitting there, and we're talking, and um, someone had given me a Romanian Bible uh, before my last trip, and so I just kept it in my bag thinking, you know, I may need this at some point to give to somebody. I couldn't read it, but obviously I was given it for a reason. And so I was talking with Gabby, and and we talked, and he ended up wanting to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior. So right there on the front, front pew of that church, I led him to Christ and prayed with him to receive Christ. It was an awesome thing. And then I got out this Romanian Bible, and I told him, I said, if you ever want to know how to live, this is your uh, guidebook. This is how you know. Um, what to do, how to talk, um, how Jesus lived His life. And I remember we got done. We had a long talk after that, and prayed with him. We went outside where everybody was eating hot dogs and running around, you know. And we go out there. My best friend Phil's out there, and Phil comes up, and I said, "Phil, man, Gabby just accepted Christ, and we we're celebrating. We we're all excited because we've gotten to know him all week." And uh, and Phil, my best friend, asked uh, Gabby. He said, "Man, what was the best part about accepting Christ?" I thought it was a great question. And you know what Gabby said? He said, said, I found out tonight how to live. And he held up this Bible. And to me, when it comes to choosing to think rightly, it comes down to understanding that our Bible is the guidebook. It's what we talked about yesterday morning. But we've got to choose to think on eternal things, not just temporary things. Third thing, write it down. Third thing, write it down. We've got to start redirecting our thinking. We've got to start redirecting our thinking. And this goes back to what we talked about yesterday when we talked about lining everything up with the Word of God and knowing what to do. You know, we've, we've got to redirect our thinking. When something comes at us from the world, we've got to be able to put it up against the Bible and know exactly what to do. And the coolest thing about the Bible is that it always gives us an answer. It always gives us direction for what we are. Look at this passage that's on the screen for you. I love this passage. It says, we can demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we can take captive every thought not only can we take it captive, but we can make it obedient to Christ. That's called redirecting your thinking. Taking every thought that comes into your mind, you're, you're able to, to take it captive and make it obedient to God. How do you do that? By lining it up with what the Bible says. You get a thought in your mind, you're like, dude, that's not a good thought. It's a lustful thought Line it up against the word of God. Flee that thought you get a thought that pops into your mind that's bad about someone, line that up with the Bible and be able to walk away from that thought. We can make it obedient to Christ where there is no action. Does that make sense? We got to redirect our thing. Let me give you some examples. Um, Someone told me, they said, uh, you get mad at your mom and dad. That ever happened to y'all? And you have the thoughts of Man, I hate my mom and dad, right? (laughs) In those moments, even though you really don't hate them, you're just mad at them. And you start having those thoughts of hate and anger. Then you line that up with what the Bible says that you are to honor your mother and father and then when you act on that, you redirect that thought of, man, I'm angry to, I'm going to honor them even though I don't maybe agree with them. Then guess what? When you act on that instead of the thought of anger that you have toward them, guess what? It honors your mother and father just like the Bible asks you to. It's like uh, when you get the thought, I had to write some of these down so I could help you guys with it because I'm a practical person. But it's like when you... Um, get the whole thought of wanting to say something mean to someone and then you line that up with the Bible and you know that the Bible says that you shouldn't talk in that way like we talked about yesterday and you act on it, then God's pleased with your action and you don't end up hurting someone just because maybe they hurt you. It's called turning the other cheek. If you go on and, and you look at what the Bible says, and the Bible tells us that we should always be willing to give an answer for the hope that we have, but do this with gentleness and respect, 1 Peter 3.15. And, and you're like, man, I really don't want to share my faith with that person, but man, I know I should. And you redirect your thinking and you line it up with the Bible that says, man, they're asking you about your faith. You've got to do something. And then you, you make that decision to act on it and you end up sharing your faith with that person. Whether they accept Christ or not, doesn't matter. You've honored God in the process. It's all about redirecting your thinking. Whether it's the most lustful bad thought or hate thought you can have to just a faith thought. But man, I don't feel like reading my Bible right now. Y'all have had that thought before. And you're able to go to the Word of God and know exactly what to do as a result because you're redirecting your thinking. You can think on good things if you choose to. Last thing, write it down and we're done. Some of us have got to refuse to think about some stuff. We have got to refuse to think about things. Look at this passage. I love it. It says, Therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And he will what? Flee you. But look at what has to happen before he'll flee you. You've got to submit yourself to God in your prayer life and being in the Word. You've got to refuse to you got to resist the devil, and then he'll leave you alone. And those things are huge. Um, my wife and I went to a movie not too long ago, and we're sitting in the movie. And um, 10 minutes into the movie, it became evident to us it was incredibly inappropriate uh, for us to be in. And I'm not a big, hey, ban this rated movie or that. I'm not that guy. I'm just... I'm kind of cool, and I just kind of roll with it. And so we go to this movie, and we're sitting there, and 10 minutes into the movie, I was uncomfortable, and I could tell she was uncomfortable. And I could tell that the movie uh, wasn't going to get any better, I guess is the best way to put it. And I looked to my wife, and I said, hey, I think we should go. And she said, I was thinking the same thing. And so we got up, even though I paid like $24 for us to be there still mad you know when i was growing up it was five bucks to go to the movie yeah all right so anyway just throwing that out there and then uh and then we left the movie and we didn't like walk out of the movie going y'all are all going to hell we didn't do that we just left why look at me we were going to refuse that kind of information and those kind of images from coming into our minds Here's the problem with us and our culture today. For sake of embarrassing someone or ourselves, we just allow anything to come into our minds. And all of that shapes your conversation, your behavior, and who you are. One of the guys um, that I discipled, I told you all about that group I discipled in Memphis last night about Brian or yesterday morning about Brian that we're memorizing the book of Philippians. Y'all remember that? One of the guys in our group, his name was Barton. He was a great kid, still is. He's a man now. And uh, Barton struggled with pornography. And, uh, And so he came to me in the group one night, and he said, hey, look, man, this thing's killing me, killing my thought life. It's a secret sin that I have. And we all have secret sin, by the way. Not all of you deal with pornography, but you deal with other things. And he said this to me. He said, can y'all help me? I've got to get this out of my life. And so me and the guys got together with Barton, and we prayed over him that night. And we decided we were going to take on Operation Get Rid of the Porn. That was the name of it. It was awesome. And so we we wrote out a plan. And here was our plan. Check this out. I'm just being truthful with y'all. Our plan was this. Number one, I became the master uh, screen name holder on his uh, online account. We put all the controls on there to where if he looked at anything that was inappropriate, it notified me. stunk for him. We moved his computer out of his room. Into the family room of his house, to where he wasn't alone with the computer. But he also had some uh, dirty magazines uh, that uh, he had gotten um, from his dad. I found them, and uh, and he hid them in his closet. So we had to get rid of that too. And so one day after school, Operation Get Rid of the Porn went into full effect. And my guys in my discipleship group went over to Barton's house after school. And they went into his closet, and they took all these dirty magazines that were his dad's in the first place. And they took all these dirty magazines, they wrapped them up in a blanket, and they began to take them out of the house. Now, you've got to remember, these guys are 16, 17 years old, so there's a lot of anxiousness and nervousness that goes with something like this. And at the time they're walking out of the house... With the Dirty Magazines, Barton's mom comes in. Oh, what are y'all doing? (gasps) You know, it's like panic. It's just going on on the inside. It's like, "Ah, we got porn. You know, it's like, mom, you know, it's all this, right? It's like, you know, they got this blanket with all these Dirty Magazines. True story. I mean, y'all should have heard them tell me about this. And, I mean, we we were laughing so hard. And they're like, oh, oh, nothing, nothing, um, Miss Barton. Uh, (laughs) We... We just uh, helping Barton with something. And, and, and she's like, oh, okay. So they get out of the house and they've got this blanket full of magazines and they run out to one of my other guys in my group, Brian, his truck, and they throw him in the back of Brian's truck, and they're in this blanket, and they drive over to Brian's house because they're freaked out. They, like, got, you know, really freaked out over the whole deal. So they went over there, and they're chilling for a little bit, and they're going to figure out where to go get rid of it, right? And then they get to Brian's house. Brian's little brother, who's about three years younger, jumps in the back of the truck and starts hanging out. It's like, hey, what y'all got in this blanket? And they're flipping out. You know, oh, no, don't look at that. And they run over there. I mean, they were really freaking out because this wasn't easy to get rid of obviously and so finally they were so freaked out they did what any high school guys would do they make bad decisions right and so they drive off because they're freaked out and they don't know what to it's like when you're trying to get rid of beer and the cops are coming you know whatever all right and so they're they're coming after them and they're driving through this neighborhood and in the middle of this neighborhood was this big uh you know how they have those ponds in the middle of neighborhoods? And they were so freaked out, they're like, dude, we got to get rid of these now. You know, they got the back of the truck and they took these dirty magazines, they just threw them in this pond in the middle of a subdivision. Well, then they begin to float. It probably damaged, you know, like 30 kids in the neighborhood, but they got rid of it and they drove off and they came to my house. <laughs> I'm like, thanks for bringing all of it to me. All right, and so they, they come over, but here's the point. They got rid of it. So now, Barton couldn't access it online without me knowing on any device he had. We moved his computer out of his room. We got rid of the magazines that were in the closet where he knew where they were. And guess what? Now, he has chosen to refuse that kind of thought stuff in his life. He's refusing it. I want you guys to know. It has not been easy for Barton, but he has not been addicted to pornography since that week in his life, all because he got a group of friends together. Instead of being shamed over his secret sin, he asked for help, and he refused the input, and he is a minister today with a great story of God's forgiveness and redemption from something that was holding him captive. He reprogrammed his mind. He recognized he had the mind of Christ. He chose to think rightly on eternal things instead of something temporary like that. He redirected his thinking, understanding that what he was doing was wrong by looking at what the Bible had to say. And he refused it. He got rid of it from his life. Students, here's what I want to say to you this morning. We're done. Every single one of you deal with a secret sin. And here's the thing you're not bad. Because of your thoughts. Because God has forgiven you of everything that you've ever done wrong. Y'all know that if you know Christ, right? But God wants to protect you from all the scars that come with the choices we make regarding sin. And here's what I want to say to you. If you've messed up, if you've got something in your life that is killing you, recognize, choose to think rightly, redirect your thinking according to the Bible, get help, and refuse it moving forward in your life because your God still loves you. I just want to show you something this morning as a reminder of how great God is. If you would, just watch the screen. And bump the volume for me. I still can't forget it. it. Just won't go away. So I wept again. Lord, wash my sin. But this is all He'd say. That's as far away. ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a second just take a second and uh, you know every time I watch that video it's a great reminder to me just how much God loves me <laughs> man I need that I need to be reminded of that every day of my life and I hope this morning that you've been reminded that God loves you no matter where you're at. And truth be known in this room, you would never admit it. but some of y'all are struggling with some, some sin, some secret stuff that's just, man, it's killing you. And it's keeping you from moving forward in your walk with God, it strangles you, it takes your confidence away. feel bad but yet it continues to happen and whether that's a thought or an action a behavior it's there and God looks at you and he says I love you no matter what I'll forgive you no matter what let's move forward God is the God of second chances so just right where you sit whatever you got going on just silently between you and God, tell them man God I'm sorry for this whatever it is God help me with this whatever it is in your life Lord I want to move forward in my relationship with you I don't want to be held back just talk to Communicate with Him. Engage that relationship. God, thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of the world. That if we believe in you and we trust you with our lives, you say you will forgive us, you'll bring us into a relationship with you that is lasting, that is fulfilling, that is purposeful, that lasts not only in this physical lifetime, but in the lifetime to come in all eternity. And for all the sin that's in this world, for all the things that grab for our affections, for our attention, for our time, Lord, I pray that all of that stuff, that we will look at it through your lens, the Bible. And that we would just reprogram our minds, that we will renew our minds so that we no longer look like the world. So we continue to live knowing your perfect will for us, dear God. Truth be known, in this room, some of us need to choose to think rightly. Some of us just need the power of understanding. We have the ability to do that. Some of us in here need to redirect our thinking. And there's some of us that we just need help. to refuse some input that's out there, that's killing us. And so, dear Lord, whatever it is, I pray your mercy, your forgiveness upon us as your people. And I pray today, as we go throughout our day, that you would continue to work on us. Lord, thanks for just being so cool.